everybody. Welcome back to our latest entry into our Fearless Show podcast. With me, as always, uh, Darius Walker, a.k.a. Up, Artist everybody? Walker. Artist hey. Walker here. Another episode the Fearless Show. Yeah. Uh, we got a super special guest, uh, extremely talented artist, uh, international. He's based out of Toronto, Nigerian-born. Uh, welcome, Benny Bing. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for having me. <laughs> Very excited to have you. Um, I guess kind of the backstory how we kind of connected is, you know, we got an email. I actually got an email from a couple of people about you and, you know, said you had an upcoming, you know, online sort of exhibition to check out and, you know, maybe we could talk about it or do something about it. And, you know, we checked it out. We really liked what we saw and decided, like, hey, let's get you on. Let's talk. Let's get a little more talking and, you know, a little more one-on-one. I think we can get some good insight about everything you got going on and, you know, have a good conversation. Nice. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm very happy to, to, to be here and to talk to you guys about my work, what I do, and uh, my latest collection. Um, yeah, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, well, you know, we'll pretty much just start there with um, uh, the reason why we met was uh, the exhibition, uh, Bloom. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, just to start with the show, how um, I've noticed this, this exhibition has a little bit of a departure or a new style um, in terms of how you're using color um, in compared to like previous series with the, the skin tone and different different ways you're painting. So um, just uh, maybe talk to us a little bit about uh, your motivation for Bloom um, and that body of work. Absolutely. Um, so first of all, I wanna just put it out there. I'm a talker, so. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I will try not to go on different tangents and, and stay focused, but um, just want to put that out there. So uh, with Bloom, the whole idea was I was looking to um, still stay true to the storytelling and the meaning behind my work in general um, mm -hmm. with the Women of Color collection. Uh, the Women of Color collection started um, uh, 2016, was the first few pieces of the women, women of color collection where I used to paint celebrities, mainly black icons. And I decided to transition over to capturing the beauty and the essence of um, black women. Mm. Uh, it, because if you look at contemporary art, um, only now in the, in the last few years that uh, you're really seeing a lot of black um, creatives on the forefront mm -hmm. um, really show the beauty of who we are as a community of people, black people. You don't really see black su female subjects in contemporary mm -hmm. art. So there's this void. Uh, I really wanted to fill that. Uh, sure. there's, a, there's a professor that I, I really love, and this quote always stayed with me, Dr. Uh, Jeffries. He said, um, he who controls the images controls the esteem. And we mm -hmm. see that play out time and time again um, in whether it's art, whether it's entertainment, television, books, movies of stereotypes right. um, of our blackness is, you know, is being forced down our throats, very negative stereotypes. Um, whether it's the, um, the, uh, the way we approach the black feminine bodies is very sexualized most of the time. Um, and really, really trying to change the, um, these stereotypes 
and put a, put a more positive image out there that little girls and women in our communities can really see themselves being portrayed in a very positive light, one, and, but also being seen, two. Uh, these, are very, these were very important things and what I was looking for with the collection. So with Bloom, what I wanted to do, like you mentioned, it's, uh, it's a transition from my traditional style where I use um, certain colors um, to highlight the different um, shades and tones in, 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 in the facial structure. Uh, so I use a lot, of, a lot of blue, a lot of purple, lavender, yellow, orange in earlier work. The last, um, you know, last collection last year was more specific on specific colors, or I think four colors. So I wanted to transition from that and really, you know, uh, address blackness from a different perspective. And I wanted to use uh, grayscale as that. So I really changed from taking the, using the color on the subjects, which are showing the beauty and the colorfulness of who we are, and really transitioned that into the backgrounds, into the, into the clothing, into the textures. Um, and people really responded very well to the, to the, 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 the change. Mm. So, but it's the same thing, you know, you know focusing on black, the black female form and black beauty and what black beauty means. Right. Um, and I really, as I always say, I'm, I'm more of an instrument as an artist telling a story. Uh, so part of uh, what I wanted to do and uh, what I did with this collection was um, have a different, uh, an audio component yeah. that you hear from, this, from the subjects themselves. What does beauty and blackness mean to you as a black woman? Because I'm, I'm a black man. I, 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 I've never been a, a black woman. I, I've never walked a day in a black woman's shoes. So it's, it's almost very hypocritical for me to try and tell a story without having the subjects themselves, you hear directly from themselves. So this is a huge part in the storytelling telling of the Bloom Collection. Yeah, um, with that audio, um, so were some of the models like uh, actual poets and things? How did you um, get in touch with or find the models for the series? So originally I wanted to, capture women, black women in Toronto who are doing amazingly well in their own fields, whether it be television, whether it be arts, whether it be modeling. Um, and I really wanted to have, have them see themselves portrayed in a very positive light and really capture the beauty in who they were um, who they are. The, she wasn't, so the, the crazy thing is none of them are poets. Mm, wow. Um, However, it started off with Sharona. Um, mm. She's one of the subjects and one of the paintings. She is a playwright. Uh, she's a writer. She's an actress. Um, she does a lot of stage plays in Toronto here. Uh, mm. she's and she's doing very well with her company. And I really wanted to highlight her because she's one of... We have this thing in Toronto where we don't really big up people in our own city. So mm. they pop off somewhere else and they come back home like, oh yeah, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. Right. but no, we got to celebrate each other um, and celebrate the talent within our community. So I really wanted to do that. So I told her, I said, this is a part of, um, the, uh, of, of the storytelling of the exhibit I really want to showcase is have people hear directly from you. What does beauty and blackness mean to you? And you just keep it, a, a one, keep it quite short, just one minute, just let people know. So they get a, a feel and understand of while they're looking at these portraits, hear directly from, from these women what that means. And, the and she was the first one to submit. And she sent me that audio clip. And I was blown away. 
And I, yeah. I, I was like, wow, this is really deep. And that was the essence is really having these women become part of the project um, mm. and contribute to this project. Uh, and then the rest of them submitted and it was just flowed in line with the whole collection. Um, so I'm very happy about how poetic it, it, um, the audio component was in really telling that story too. Yeah, I thought that was so interesting. It's so cool that that happened organically. Um, yeah. Because I, I noticed, I saw in um, maybe one of your previous openings, like in a, in in-person openings before COVID and stuff, that uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, there was like a live uh, poet performing at a exhibition. And that's uh, correct. I like that correlation and and sort of how um, you've been able to evolve it, but naturally, you know, in, in that's this right. style of show. Thank you. The the. So la the, 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 the uh, poet you're talking about was at my opening for Colorblind uh, exhibit last year. And um, she's one of my favorite poets in the city. And we're, we're not a very huge create, black creative community in the city. So we all pretty much know each other. And one mm. of the things we've, uh, over the past few years, we've been, we've been trying to do an, uh, an, a new kind of um, approach is really work with each, with each other and really showcase each other's work and um, uh, collaborations within, you know, within the community. So I told her, I said, listen, no, I wanted her to write something specifically for Colorblind. Um, and it's pretty much bringing all the right people to the table, because um, all of this was all sponsored by the private sector for my show last year. Mm. So there's, there's a lot of money to be, to be made in, in terms of you know, getting the right people with the right, you know, to the right opportunities where we can all eat at the same time. Because it's, it's very important. Some people tend to you know, only want to eat for themselves, but you know, you're stronger when you work as a community, at a space, specifically as a creative community than anything else. So that was part of, of it. And it's, you know, like you said, it organically just kind of you know, happened again and transitioned in this, in this, uh, with a new collection and quite happy about that. Yeah, that's awesome. I love your like Thank collaboration. You. That's really dope. Thank you. Um, before we keep going too far into like the art talk and like painting, I wanted to jump back a little bit um, into how you got into art. Because um, I think I remember you were in digital marketing before. And, That's um, right. Uh, you know, you, you sort of ventured out on your own. You quit your job and you know you, you just started to make it happen can you talk about like the process leading up to that and like you know just just how that all came to be sure uh so i was in, i was originally in digital marketing uh i worked with a small boutique firm um we had you know we were working with more small to medium-sized businesses with helping them with their digital footprint and utilizing the internet to um to help the business be more viable. I, I love what I did. Um, I love my clients. Uh, you know, everything about what I did was very fulfilling to a certain extent. However, during um, that time, my, my wife, we met at work. Um, she and her mother-in-law bought me, uh, my mother-in-law, sorry, her mother, uh, bought me acrylic paint for Christmas. And it was one of these things where I've, I've never painted in my life. I mean, I've sketched and things, never picked up a brush, never painted, never had a canvas ever. Um, <laughs> so getting this gift was very much like, okay, 
this is nice. However, um, I'm just going to use it and see what happens. Uh, I'm that type of person. I'm always grateful for anything I receive. And I think it's the Africanness in me. Being, raised, being born and raised in Africa, uh, we have this uh, part of our culture is you never say no to a gift. One, two, um, you appreciate that gift because people don't need to get you anything. Mm-hmm. So that mentality allowed me to be, to be more grateful about what I received and you use it. Cause normally people just, you know, paint, no, just chuck it by the side, never really use it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I used it and I discovered that I, actually, I could actually paint and mm-hmm. I was actually pretty good at it. So I just kept on going at it and it was more of, um, more of a hobby. It started off more as a hobby. Uh, every after work, I would come home and I didn't, I didn't want to go out and hang out with anybody. I just want to come home and paint because I was, I was seeing how good I was getting and how my skills and my craftsmanship was improving. Um, so over time, I started putting on social media and people were like, wow, you paint since when? I was like, yeah, I know. I just discovered this. Right? <laughs> um, so, you know, we're all, we're, all, we're all in this together, right? This is new. So as much as you're surprised, I'm surprised. So people were, you know, responding very well to it. And I started selling pieces uh, here and there. Uh, and it was great. So, you know, just pretty much, you know, created a, um, a savings account just specifically for the business. And it was just dumping all that money in there. I was like, you know, whenever, let's see how this thing goes. Um, and then a, a gallery from Nigeria hit me up and said one of their clients in San Francisco was interested in one of my paintings. And it's a painting I did of uh, Nigerian artist Fela Kuti. Uh-huh. Um, and that was huge for me because this is the first time that a gallery was actually hitting me up and I wasn't hitting up a gallery. Um, and they were like, oh, we have a collector in, in, interested in buying your work. I was like, wow. And so that basically started the ripple effect. Uh, but I'm a very business um, minded individual. Um, and I believe that no matter what craft or what industry you're in, you also have to understand the, the business side of things in order to really um, be successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with art, I just took the same approach of what I was already doing in my, my nine to five. And I took those, those, the same advice that I was getting paid to tell people uh, mm-hmm. how to you know, grow their business digitally. I just did that with my, with my business, with the art as, as, uh, as, as, as on its own. And I you know, grew the social media, had a website, had prints available. Um, so there was a very much in charge of, of how do you grow this as a business? Because you can be creative and paint amazing things. But if you don't understand the business side of art, you could fail. Hmm. Right? Oh. And that's what we see sometimes with a lot of artists where they're very talented. However, they, because they're not business smart, they put all that, they, they, they put all that responsibility into a gallery or an art dealer or gallerist or whatever. And half the time you get, you get screwed. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, so it's very important to know the biz- to know the business. So I took a lot of time to to learn the industry because I'm coming to a whole new different industry. The art industry is very different from a, a lot of industries, right? There's similarities in them, but it's very different. You have to learn uh, these things. Uh, you no, know, so I I no, I also got a mentor. Um, nice. I didn't go to I didn't go to art school. Uh, everything I learned was either through YouTube by yeah. myself or through my mentor. So, um, and I just kept on going. And uh, things, who, sorry? Who was your mentor? If you don't uh, his mind. name is Mark Liam Smith. He's a, uh, 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 
artist from Toronto. He mainly specializes in um, oil mm. um, paintings. Mm -hmm. uh, very talented. He's colorblind also, so um, his work is quite interesting. Uh, but he's one of these guys that was really um, open to mentor somebody. Because in the industry, a lot of people don't want to share their ideas with you. They don't want to mm -hmm. give you the connects or their plugs they, because they feel like you might blow and, you know, you get bigger than them. But, you know, it's, it's quite sad. However, Mark was a, is a, is a very you know, generous individual, um, very kind hearted, understands the industry. And uh, he sat me down. We talked a couple of times and he was my mentor and he, helped, he mentored me for a good two years. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Um. I guess so part of that like business mentality, um, it seems like you use that a little bit for your name because you shortened like your last name a little bit, right? So the, <laughs> so the name is a completely different thing. Um, my name is not Benny Bing. Okay. <laughs> uh, that is my artist name. Uh, right. My name is Olubenga Alaga. Uh, Olubenga. Yes. Olubenga, okay. That's right. Um, the thing about Benny Bang was, um, you know, we, 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 we get this all the time as, as Africans, as people have a hard time pronouncing our names in North America. And, and they, they tend to Anglo, know, Anglo, Anglo, Anglo-lize your name in some way. So they started mm. calling me Ben. And I was like, okay, <laughs> uh, let's do that. So, you know, when, when you're working in corporate, you know, and you're dealing with clients, you don't want to have the discussion be your name and where you're from and your background. You want to, you know, talk business. So I was just like, yeah, Ben is good. Let's just stick with Ben. And Ben turned to Benny. And I'm a big Sopranos fan. So a couple of boys, I you know Benny Bing, bada boom, became Benny Bing. And <laughs> that's the origin of name. You know, it's, it's a very simple, you know, it was something that just happened. The interesting thing about it is that this happened before art. It's happened 10 years before art. <laughs> So uh, I, use, I use the name on social media so that no one could really find me, employers and things. Yeah. Um, and that works. So when I was transitioning, I really thought, you know, it'd be important to keep my African heritage uh, as a forefront. Um, but I, I decided to stick with Benny Bing as a name because it, it was catchy. And as a marketing, as, as for marketing, it was amazing. Uh, mm. So I didn't want to let go of that. So I stuck with it. Um, but that's why I highlight the fact that, you know, I really want people to know I am Nigerian, right? Um, Canadian by my mother's side, but I'm very much Nigerian, born and raised in the country. Uh, so it's important for people to know that. Uh, you know, Jamie Foxx is not Jamie Foxx. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, you know, and, and even the story of how he got his name, you know, is, is one of those things. Too. It's just by chance, right? So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Benny yeah. Bing is a very catchy name. Like, yes, definitely. Definitely sounds like almost like, you know, like Benny the Baller, like some hip hop type associated, you know, <laughs> event. That's right. So, uh, so people like, remember people remember things easier that way, right? Yeah, yeah. If I tell you, oh, Google, yeah, Benny Bing, Google that. People remember that you know, when they get home versus, oh, my name is Bing Alaga, Google it. Yeah, uh, can you write that down? Because I would definitely forget, <laughs> right? Yeah. Definitely. Sketchy for sure. Yeah. So that that's that's the story on on the name, um, uh, but it, it's it's I'm, I'm I'm I have no regrets whatsoever. Uh, I think it was a it was a great idea to go with Benny Bing, um, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. 
<laughs> I like that. So, well, I mean, I have some questions. Like, um, sure. Kind of like who, who, like, you said you kind of just started out painting just almost on a whim. You know, if mm-hmm. it wasn't a gift, you might not have even been here, you know, without, without right. that gift. So, I mean, you have such a distinct style. So, I mean, were you like, you said you sketched a little bit before. Were you doing art before? Or were you just kind of a fan of certain art styles and art? And like, who was like, what kind of like inspired you to kind of come up with the style that you have now? Good question. So my dad is an, is an artist, but I would call him more of a, a, hoard, a hoarding artist. So he will create <laughs> something, but not really show anybody. Uh-huh. So, so, so I already knew, I already know that there's, um, we, we're, we have the talent in the family. So as a kid, I always sketched, like, every, no, but I, I, I mean, I sketched, I was pretty good at it. But after a while, you really don't care for, as you get older, you really don't care for these things, except they're bringing you some type of money, right? So yeah. uh, I just kind of chucked it to the side. Um, the, but with, with the art, what happened was, because I was good at sketching, I decided to, when I started painting, I really wanted to focus on what I was good at. And what I was good at was, um, give me one second. Um, what I was good at was portraits. So I decided to paint portraits instead um, than any other, any, anything else, because that's what I was good at. It was sketch it and just play around with the paint. However, the style wise, that was me. Um, I had, you know, the, the, the box that was given was all these bunch of colors. So I was like, I, I want to use every single color in this pack. Mm-hmm. I, I can't, I, I'm not going to waste it. I'm going to use every single color. And that was the whole idea of playing around with the, you know, the different colors. And I saw artists like Francois Nelly uh, and Voca. These are two artists that really inspired me because of the use of color. But I you know there's a lot of times artists would copy mm-hmm. an, a, a, another artist. Yeah. Um, I, I, I didn't want to do that. Uh, and I listened to a lot of po- artist podcasts and they were saying everybody um, copies an artist. But a good artist is one who doesn't copy an artist, but takes inspiration from different artists to form their own creative style. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I, so I was just basically taking, you know, what I was seeing inspirations from different artists to form my own and really let my creative mind um, guide me into what is my style, right? And how would that develop? And that's what, and it started off with those well, you know, those colors. So, you know, blue, purple, uh, yellow, orange, and using that to paint a portrait um, the best that I could. And, you know, you get better over time, you know. Um, So YouTube videos will show you techniques that you can use, different ways to improve, for example, the use of a projector. Uh, I spoke to one artist who said using a projector is more like cheating. Other artists was like, no. So, you know, it's all these, you know, getting mm-hmm. different ideas from different people on how can you better your craftsmanship. Because no matter what, till this day, my goal is always improve your craftsmanship because that's the only way forward. Yeah. You can't be stagnant. You can't be complacent. Definitely. Yeah, you always, you got to constantly be thinking about like new ideas and, you know, ways to develop from the last thing you worked on. And That's right. Um, 
yeah like it takes a while though that's the thing is you gotta like you have to have studied or looked at a lot of artists to to be able to pull from a lot of different places and, and develop an educated style and stuff like that so that's right however i, I try not to look at too many uh, yeah. I try to just focus on the ones that I really felt inspiration from because sometimes when you 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 get um, overloaded, yeah, um, and then sometimes it also affects your um, what's the word? It affects you in terms of you you start to doubt yourself. Am I good enough? Am I can I actually be a good artist? Can I produce something as good as what these people are doing? And that's mm -hmm. the dangers of, of social media with with you know, uh, the internet and and uh, and Instagram is, you know, you start to look through all these different artists out there. You start to doubt yourself. Ah, oh, no, I'm not good enough, and then you give up, just because you feel that oh wow, there's some other people that are better than me out there. The things are they're not better than you because everyone is creative in their own way. The question mm -hmm. is how can you um, improve your creation and constantly improve your creation. So you know, I only. You know, you know, kept a, you know, a few artists that I felt were the ones I really wanted to have inspire me and look at their work and get inspired by, watch their videos and look at the techniques they're using. Um, so it was, wasn't a lot, per se. I mean, with the bright colors and like the, the portraits and kind of, you know, now you have like the floor backdrops, I definitely got uh, some Kahende Wally type vibes. I don't know if you, yeah. you know, if you were a fan and were inspired by some of his work, but I definitely, the way you guys both use these bright colors and the way to like really make the subject pop off the uh, yeah. off the canvas, I, I, I definitely got those type of vibes from, from some of your work yeah. and I, I'm a big fan of that. Thank you. I mean, th th there's also um, uh, Bar as a Barclay Hendricks or Hendricks Barclay, Barclay. Um, inspired by his work. Uh, but th that, that inspiration was more about the blackness and the mm. stories and the, what they were capturing in their work versus where Nelly and um, Voca were more about the colors and mm. how they use those colors. But yeah, you know, you get all these inspirations from all these different places um, and you kind of come, you know, you kind of, sometimes you just have to let go and also focus on you and see yeah. where your creative mind takes you. Because a lot of times I had ideas for things I wanted to do yeah. and creatively, went a whole completely different uh, direction. Mm. Do you um, look at other Nigerian artists that are in like the contemporary art world? Because um, I know you're self-taught and a lot of artists that are getting, I guess, the attention are, you know, like they went to Yale or something like that. Um, there's like uh, Indijeka. Indijeka, that's right. Yeah. And uh, even Toyin is actually um, Adetola. She's yes. Nigerian and they're doing really well right now. Um, so I think Nigeria's got like a really deep talent pool um, of artists. And um, I don't know, what do you think about just like that being Nigerian and like that kind of like? Yeah, so the funny thing is, I, I, we, we, we never really spoke per se. Um, but Tony and I knew each other prior, um, oh. about 12 years back. Um, is it 12? Uh, about 12, yeah. So t probably about 10, 11, I'll say more. Beginning of Tumblr. She had a Tumblr page where she should show her work. And this is, she, she was still in school at the time. And I was just a huge fan of 
her designs and her work. And I was like, this is, uh, the work's amazing. And I was, I, I was a follower on Tumblr and she, you know, reposts the stuff and uh, she's reposted some of the stuff I used to write. But this is more of a, no, we didn't really know each other. This is the internet, right? So, but then years later now I'm seeing her, I'm like, that's an amazing trans, you know, <laughs> progression. You know what I mean? Where yeah. someone that, you know, had, was still in school, you know, showing those sketches on, on, on Tumblr now, I mean, her work is in the Whitney, it's yeah. amazing. So yeah, absolutely. Looking at all these people, we're, we we have a lot of talent in Nigeria. I am fo I'm following the the scene in Nigeria. It's there a lot of talented people, uh, a talented artist. There's a focus, however, on hyper realism in Nigeria. Um, mm. That's the big thing now. It's uh, mm. if you're a hyper realist painter, like uh, one of our, uh, another artist I follow, who's actually you know friends with him, Arinze. Uh, mm. He does hyper uh, realism uh, paintings. And it, uh, or drawings and sketches. It's it's really nice. Um, but I think I think when Nigeria is when they're when it's in, everybody else really doesn't matter. Um, so if you're not doing hyper realism right now, uh, they don't want to hear from you. Uh, right? hmm. But That's but true. it is it's just the mentality down there is 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 and it's totally fine. But I I I'm very inspired by a lot of the new faces coming out too. Uh, there's a girl called Riwa. Um, mm. Art by Riwa. She's also very talented. Um, and she, we pretty much are about in the same space. So she mm -hmm. also focuses on, uh, she paints black women. Mm -hmm. uh, and with very colorful portraits too. Different style, but, you know, uniquely beautiful on its own. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's really cool that you like, you know, just random encounters with, you know, somebody and then you, you just see like years later, like, oh, wow, look, later, look yeah. at that. Like, I know I always knew that you had it, but, you know, wow. <laughs> exactly. Right. It's uh, but I'm really happy to see that she's getting the recognition um, that is due to her because she's extremely, extremely talented. However, one thing I'm not I'm not happy about seeing is uh, you mentioned this and I'm self-taught. There's mm. a lot of. Um, there's more priority put on people who went to art school who have an MFA or, or BFA than anything else. Those right. people are the ones who really um, get into these specific circles mm -hmm. and into specific spaces. And I think that that should not be the case. I think anybody who's a talented artist should have that same access uh, or should be looked at the same way. Um, I, I think going to art school is a great thing. Getting a you know a master's or a bachelor's in arts is is good, but other people do other things with their life and find a different career, you know, a second career later on. Mm -hmm. And to then be kind of shunned because you didn't go to art school, um, I think it's a little bit superficial. Yeah. So have you have you found it harder, you know, because you didn't go to art school, to like get those networking opportunities, like to create that, you know. Yeah, basically just create that network and then get in, get plugged in in certain places. To a certain extent. However, I don't let it phase me. It's, it's, it's just one of those things where, I, you know, you, you think about it, but I just don't let it phase me because I know I, I have a goal for myself. And I, I try to stay focused on, on that and not be, um, um, be, be disappointed because of certain things. If, to me, if it, doesn't, if it doesn't work out with me and somebody or me and a certain specific project, what's it meant to be? Yeah. Right. Um, I'm a firm believer that every single thing that I'm meant for, I will be in there. 
I, I definitely like that's that business kind of mentality because you know just like business you can't just stop once you get that one obstacle and you know you just got to keep keep pushing on through and you know that's I think that's probably gonna help you extremely because you know like from all our talks of artists you know a big thing with them is it, it's hard to put yourself kind of out there because it is so personal to you and then you know to get not those opportunities that you think you should get a lot of people maybe stop or you know feel discouraged but that's right. Kind of push through that is, I think, one of the most important parts about being like a creative person. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's what's so crazy about being an artist is like you 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 are pretty much faced with that your whole career. <laughs> Even if you're like a big time artist, there's like you know weird situations where it's just like, you know, you hear stories about it. So. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's just crazy, but you got to celebrate, you know, your successes each time they happen and absolutely and, and try to get, you know, and learn from them. And so you can get in a better situation the next time. So exactly. And you know, I, I don't, I don't have representation. Right. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. I actually wanted to talk about that. Cause um, you know, I'm an artist. I don't have representation either. Um, so like I have a different situation where I'm an artist who did go to grad school okay. um, who is in sort of a peer relationship with certain artists but there's also a situation where there's a hierarchy in the particular grad schools um, so mm -hmm. so it's they do they do that inside that inside, side yeah. anyway yeah. so it's like <laughs> not only do they prioritize like the world of academia, they mm -hmm. prioritize particular parts of the world of academia. And um, there's definitely slots open for people in all aspects, you know, self-taught and otherwise, but they have to be like the, almost like the face of like that moment for, for yeah. it. Like this, this self-taught artist is, is you know now going to be world renowned and we're going to do museum to you know shows across the world like it's a big deal because this will be their first show in america their first show in germany that's like that's how those artists and it's weird that like we can't just like create the ecosystem and just keep it equally flowing around you know um but uh dang i was i was about to ask something about oh so like representation um so when Dave Chappelle has the work of yours now, and I saw that was because it was a, a, a gift that someone reached out um, for you to create for him. Yeah, so um, Cardinal Official, who's pretty much you know, one of our biggest hip hop artists here in, in Canada, before Drake hit the scene. <laughs> but Cardinal reached out to me and said, hey, you wanted to get a painting for, um, Dishapel. I was like, okay. Uh, but he and Dishapel are very good friends. And I was like, okay. It's like, yo, Dave is one of these guys that really doesn't want much. So what do you get a guy that doesn't want much? You get him a painting, right? Uh, yeah. Of himself. I was like, okay, sure, absolutely. Um, so he was doing his residency at, uh, I believe it was um, New York. Anyway. Oh, Radio City? Radio City residency. Oh, I went to that show. I went to one of those. Yeah, okay. So he was in his residency there. So he wanted to present it to him at the end of the residency, the last day for his birthday. Wow. And so, you know, I you know put this thing, this whole thing together. We worked on it for about three weeks. He flew out to New York, gave it to him. 
Um, and, you know, he calls me right from, you know, he was there in Radio City. He's like, yo, just took a picture with it. I'll send that to you. Dave is, Dave is so happy with the painting. He's going to hang it in his man cave. And I was like, okay, cool. It's amazing. You know, Dave Chappelle's wife was very happy thanking me and everything. It was really amazing. It was nice. The crazy thing was Dave Chappelle is one of my favorite comedians. Now, when I say one of my favorite, I'm not just talking about, I'm not just one of these guys that are one of my favorite. No, like, like I own all the Dave Chappelle um, <laughs> shows, uh, DVDs, DVDs, still have them. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. um, so it was, it was, re- I, I got very emotional when he called because it was, it was, I was, it was, the reality was just hitting me that Dave Chappelle has my painting hanging in his house, will have my painting hanging in his house. And it was, it was, there was a feeling of, of accomplishment. Yeah. Right. Um, I was so happy about it. And uh, yeah, so the crazy thing is every time I see Cardinal, because he invites me to parties sometimes, and he would say, Oh, I was at, you know, Dave's place, and you got to see where your painting is. And he's like, Dave owns the, the, the Prince bike, the purple bike from Purple Rain. Yeah. And the bike is like right here, and your painting is just right there. And I was <laughs> like, Okay. It's like, Yeah, when I, I'll take a picture and I'll send it to you. I'm like, Cool. But Dave comes on like uh, during quarantine and he's on, he doesn't have social media. So he's on a friend's social media and they went, he went live with his photographer and he's in there and he's just walking around showing everybody. I'm like, the painting is right there. <laughs> 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 it was right there. It, 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 was a, it was a great feeling. Um, and that kind of, I think, um, uh, put me in a certain level Yeah. in, in Toronto and people are like, oh, wow. Okay. That's, so he's this this guy's not playing around. Like he's he's really solidified. He's, he's going it. for yeah. it without representation. Yeah. Like I'm not begging anybody. I'm I'm yeah. pathing my own way true. Um uh so yeah, with with the lack of representation, the thing about it is uh with my mentor, he has two representations, one in Australia and one in Montreal. And the biggest one is the one in Montreal, Montreal Gallery. It took him years to get it. So he beat he broke down the whole industry to me and how things work and you know, what mm-hmm. representation means. And it's like, listen, you know, you might need representation. You might not need representation. You can do very good by yourself. The thing about it, you, you also don't want to be represented by a gallery that is not really interested in what you're doing or on the same page and agenda as what you're trying to achieve or at the same time doesn't have the collectors that you're looking for or that mm-hmm. pool. So, you know, don't just say, you know, the next thing you want to get is representation, you should focus on how can you be a valuable business as an artist? Because then when you're now talking with major galleries, they understand you know the business. They understand that you also have a, a, you know, a good sense of, of, of how to be viable and run a profitable art business. Because uh, at the end of the day, every artist, in my opinion, should look at themselves as a business. Your yeah. business, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you should not rely on having to have a gallery with representation do your marketing, you know, put you, you know, put you in those places. No, you should be able to um, run your business and be able to have profits coming in without having 50% taken from you by a gallery, right? Um, and that's, so I actually mentor other artists now. And that's, this is the same conversations we're having is representation is great. And if you get it, good, but you should not be working to get that. Yeah, you should be working yeah. to sell your work, mm-hmm. right? Um, but yeah, I, I'm very happy with, with with where I am right now in terms of um, I've worked with a couple of galleries, 
but it's more it's always been more on a consignment basis because I'm, I'm more comfortable with that um than representation i'm not saying i'm close i'm close to the idea i'm definitely open to the idea however with where i am right now i'm open to the idea with a gallery that has what i'm looking for yeah mm -hmm. i can take me to the level uh, where I want to go. And if you can't, then unfortunately, it makes no sense to work together. Yeah, that's smart. That's free game for y'all <laughs> artists watching right now, you know. <laughs> I, I one thing I would advise, I mean, this worked for me. However, you know, how we can work for other people, it will come in different ways. Look at the private sector. There's a lot of money in the private sector that are looking to, that they're looking, you know, in the, whether it's to buy into the art collections. A lot of companies have art collections. Um, or collaborate with them on some projects. So I live in uh, a part of downtown Toronto called Regent Park, which is it was the first um, government housing projects in North America. Um, and Regent Park has been known to be, you know, over time got very dangerous, it was a sketchy area, and is being uh, revitalized. So there's a lot of new developments in here uh, it's not really gentrification, it's more revitalization because the community is still in here and has a very, very much a powerful say within, you know, what happens in the community. Now, the one, the developer in charge of this project is called Daniels, Daniels Corp. And Daniels Corp is known for uh, building some of the best properties across Canada. Um, and I did a show here, just not because I live in Canada, I did a show with um, Artscape, is an organization here, uh, which is across the street from where I live. And the CEO was... He came came by, and he mm. saw my work, and he's like, "We really love this stuff. We love. We want to showcase artists within the community in our buildings, um, and they have budgets for that." So he says, "You know, you know, my my people will be in touch with you. We'd love to buy two paintings for a condo that was going up, and that was the beginning of the relationship. And ever since then, it's been this amazing partnership. They own about." five of my pieces and all these pieces are in the lobbies in their condominiums in the community hmm. uh so that's a, a that's a, a you know that was the beginning of a, and, you know it's still just a great business partnership and last year they came on board to sponsor my event uh my, my art show so i went out to the private sector to look for sponsors to put together um a show without a gallery right um, and we had over 700 people at the show last year. It was covered by media, um, CTV, and eTalk. They did an interview with me, and this is the biggest syndicated entertainment talk show in Canada. It's almost like Entertainment Tonight. Oh, wow, well, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you don't need a gallery in, per se, right? You, mm -hmm. you can also leverage the private sector. Right, they all always look at the question is now are they willing to you know now this COVID has happened, but are they willing to pop, pump out my money into, this, into the creative community to, to advance the arts? That is the most important thing. And there are different projects that you can, you can work on. And at the same time, I'm really make money as an artist without having to wait for a gallery to be like, Yes, you're good enough. I don't need someone to tell me I'm good enough, <laughs> right? You know, um, I'm not cocky, but I know I'm good enough. Um, and I, the t all the talented artists across the board, um, and these people need recognition. However, if, if we're not invited to the table, we should be creating our own tables, right? Um, than begging for a seat. No, right? So I, it, and that, that's, that's basically my formula is create your table, create your own opportunities the best that you can. Mm. 
that's awesome that's great advice um you've got like a great mentality um you know just coming from it seems like the business background uh even you said you went to military school well it's military uh high school but a military high school yes okay yeah that's interesting that's a lot of discipline at a young age too you know yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was uh, it was tough. <laughs> <laughs> it was military school in Nigeria, not military school here. So, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. that was that was not fun. Mm. Right? It, it, I I would never if I had to do it again, I'll do it again. Don't get me wrong. Um, but it was a lot to take in as a, as a young individual. Um, but because of the type of person I was at the time, I was a very stubborn teenager. I felt the world revolved around me and, you know, all these different things. And you needed, you need something to put you in line. And I think that's what it was. So, yeah. So when did you move to Canada? Um, so my mom, my mom is Canadian, but um, Caribbean heritage. She's from Barbados. Mm -hmm. um, so parents met here. They moved back to Africa. They moved to Africa and uh, had us there. Uh, we will come Christmas or summers to see my grandmother here. Um, so we kind of already were, frequent visitors, um, but we lived in Nigeria. Um, eventually came back 2000 after high school. Okay. Yeah. And, and th yeah, that was a big shock because uh, different cultures, culture clash, you know, it's, uh, you know, you come from upper middle class family in Nigeria, you know, you come here and people are saying, oh, how is Africa? What do you see on TV? Huts and all of these. And, oh, you know Jay-Z? It's like, come on, man. <laughs> It's, it's a global community, people. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. I kind of, uh, I kind of want to, kind of want to speak about that. Like, I always want to bring back like the black experience, you know. And that you have such a unique kind of background to speak to that because you Nigerian, your mother is, you know, Canadian and Barbados, and you've lived in Nigeria, you lived in Canada, and you also like have dealings in, and you know, the U.S. And like, a lot of times, especially in the U.S., they like to you know, label the black experience as like this monolithic thing when reality, like there's so many different variations and cultural differences in, you know, our own, you know, uh, the black community. Like, it's just like, how do you, how would you say like those, some of those experiences that shaped you and like, what are some of the differences, you know, have you noticed specifically since being in like Toronto and then Nigeria and whatnot? So, um, this is a very good question because I, I, had, I had this conversation with a couple of buddies of mine um, recently because of the anti-black racism protests we've been seeing mm -hmm. across the world. Um, and it was the black experience and the African experience are two different things. Yeah. And um, some Africans don't understand that. <laughs> and I would say specifically, North American Blacks don't understand that. So um, let me explain what I mean. As an African, every single day you see Blackness. It's all around you. Yeah. Your lifestyle, the women, everything is all around you. Um, you don't, you, you, you're very, which is why a lot of people say Nigerians or Africans are, are, are very proud people. You know, they're very comfortable in their blackness because of the culture and the tradition um, and it's pretty much instilled in you. Um, and then when you leave Africa, you go out to the rest of the world, your, um, your horizon expands 
and you now see a different experience that's completely different from your experience, mm. right? Um, but there's also sometimes a, unfortunately, superiority complex with Africans on how they look at, look at especially Black Americans, mm. um, which is not good. And then you have African Americans who have been through a lot, who are the the black experience in America is completely different, and, and they don't really understand what the black experience in Africa is like because yeah. we don't understand. You know, we we understand what racism is, but we haven't really lived the racism. Yeah, you know what I mean. Apart from apart from Kenya, I'm sorry, not not even Kenya, um, South Africa and apartheid. The rest of Africa is really Africans fighting Africans or Africans having issues with other Africans. So yeah. there's really no, it's more of a tribal thing than necessarily a racism thing. And Nigerians only, even Africans don't really, not just Nigerians, Africans don't understand the power of white supremacy and what white, white supremacy also looks like from the African perspective. Because we, we haven't really talked about it. A lot of us don't want to talk about it because we mm. know it's a deep topic. But then when you, know, you come to North America, you look at, you look at you know, black Americans and you say, because you say, honestly in Canada, we're all immigrants. Let's put it that way. Right? Mm. <laughs> but you look at a, a specific um, uh, African-Americans and you look at it and instead of understanding and, and learning about these people, they create, oh, I'm, I'm better than you because I'm from Africa. I'm more educated. I have a better family structure. I know my history because I can trace my roots down to my greatest, greatest granduncle, who is no, or grandfather, who's such and such. Uh, but there is a, the story in North America is, you know, this, it's a very sad story of the black flight in America, right? Mm. Um, so blackness from the perspective of North America and blackness from the perspective of, let's say Africa, it's completely different. We look at blackness differently than, but now living in North America, you have to look at it as a whole. Yeah. They, when, when, someone, when someone's being racist towards you, don't care whether you're African-American uh, with roots, you know, history of you know, slavery in America where your families were slaves or whether or not you were some African that came in the 70s, you know, uh, your second generation. No one cares about that. You're black and that's what they look at, yeah. right? That's what it comes down to at the end of the day. So the overall, you know, there is a complete black experience that some Africans have not had yet. I understand that experience. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you know, when we're talking, you know, when the whole anti-black and watching the protests on TV, some Nigerians were like, okay, that's their problem. But is it? Mm. It is. Every, it's our problem because the same things are happening. It's happening in Nigeria and happening in Africa on different scale. Even worse than what is happening in North America. Mm -hmm. Right? Because yeah. you look at, well, you're looking at some of the countries in Nigeria, very dis, in Africa, very dysfunctional. You're looking at America has its, North America, Canada, the US kind of have some establishment to what, how their, the way of life is still dysfunctional in its own way. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. But you, you should be empathetic towards situations and towards, towards things than take a, well, it's not my problem. It's a very privileged mentality. Mm -hmm. Do you think right? like this whole movement has kind of opened eyes? Educated. And, yeah. 
educated, yes. Because when I came, the first thing I did, my mom told me, understand what life is for a black person in, this, in, in North America. That's the first thing you need to understand. If you don't understand mm -hmm. that, you're going to be screwed no matter what, where you go. Because you're always going to have this mentality that, oh, yeah, if, uh, you, 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 would, you would not see the biases mm -hmm. that are there, that are affecting you. Because you feel that, no, I'm not one of them. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, so we're getting better at educating ourselves. And we're getting better at calling out all the Africans and saying, listen, hey, listen, educate yourself. Understand the history of this country. Understand how everything, honestly, a lot of the issues is tied is all, all students from slavery. Mm. Everything's from, from chattel Pretty slavery. Yeah. yeah, everything started from the auction block. And yeah. if, if you can't educate yourself, I mean, I'm, I'm a very curious person. I read a lot. I research a lot. I go out and look for this information. People don't. And it's important to educate yourself. A lot of times we say, oh, how do we educate our allies and the white people? But how yeah. do we educate other black people who are ignorant about the situation that they're in? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right? So it's, it's, it's one of those topics. I mean, we can, we can talk for hours about, you know, white supremacy in Africa that Africans choose not to look at. It's pretty much called colonialism, but yeah. they choose not to talk about it. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> but that's a whole topic on, on its own, right? And that colonialism has transformed what we do with our lives and how, why Africa is so dysfunctional is yeah. all based on, it's all based on the results of that. Pretty much why we we're not as creative as we used to be. Mm. African mm. art, huge, stolen, stolen. Museums in Europe, they don't want to release them, mm -hmm. right? And they're sadly auctioning them off, right? In the seventies, we have the thing called in Nigeria called Expo 77. It was one of the biggest art expositions in Africa um, at that time. And a lot of people from different countries came. With, you know, the, there, was, there was so much creativeness happening in the community. And all of a sudden, it just, just stopped. And everything is now focused on, oh, you need to be in this specific position, um, careers or occupations in order to make a life for yourself. You need mm -hmm. to be a doctor. You need to be a lawyer. You need to be in finance. You need to do you know, the very comfortable you know, secure jobs mm. and occupations first time. So we kind of, and a lot of people are now frustrated realizing now I'm happy being an artist. I'm, I'm actually an artist. Why should I take that path? My, no, there were people before me that were creating amazing, beautiful um, bodies of work in, in Africa back in the seventies and the sixties. Yeah. So how is it that we've now kind of let that go? Right. Mm. That's part of colonialism. Right, yeah. that's part of the structure, and people will not admit it, but it is the truth. That is white supremacy. It destroyed yeah. our creativeness as people. And mm. the day we start to understand that and embrace our Africanness, embrace our art, because it's, we're telling our stories of our experiences, recording our history. Um, if not, you know, if we don't, if you don't, if we don't start to do that again, then we're we're doomed. Mm. Right. So. Yeah, in recent years, I've definitely seen, you know, especially like in music, uh, like African music kind of making its way more into the world, into the like pop culture, into like African dance and like all these, like I definitely have seen it start to come more into the mainstream and get more recognized for, you know, it's kind of, you know, creativity and the, the talent that is actually out there. And that's right. And I think that's been like a really good thing, like a really good thing because it's been kind of especially like, you know, African-Americans kind of reconnecting with 
that side of you know our history like we don't because we never were exposed to that we only had to create what we had from here so we never here that's right and i i definitely have seen that kind of growing more and more within the culture here in you know in the u.s and it's not it's always i feel like it's always been kind of a one-way street like our our music going out our like african-american culture going out instead of really seeing our actual history and our actual like culture coming this way and i I feel like it's starting to kind of break through a little bit more and influence people yeah and and you know what what, the way the way i see it is americana is an export americana is the biggest export of america for sure right and when you look at americana black is pretty much 80 percent of americana i don't care what anybody has to say (laughs) they can never tell me otherwise it is yeah. right. Yeah. Whether yeah. or not, whether, whether, even if it is spearheaded by someone white, it was created by someone black, or stolen, or inspired by someone black, right? Elvis so, Presley. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. Um, so, I don't care what anybody tells me. Americana is very much black, um, and we we grew up in that, right? Uh, as mm. Africans, also, we mm. grew up in that. We are also inspired by that. But now what we're seeing with the music industry is what is a perfectly good example. So I was actually 10 years ago, um, yeah, 2010, I, myself and a partner of mine, we created a black Spotify, African Spotify. Hmm. It was called Giddy Lounge, which was showcasing local African music talents. Um, it never lifted off the floor, unfortunately. We never got funding, so we had to abandon the project. But during that time, all these big names you see now, we interviewed all of them um, we were on the radio. We, uh, we had all the music playing. And what we were trying to do was just bring African, um, specifically Nigerian music to the forefront. And eventually when we abandoned the project, other people, you know, it, it still kept on going. And we mm. see where it is now, where we've never heard African, specifically African music, Ghanaian, yeah. Kenyan, South African, uh, Nigerian being played this much yeah. on a global scale. Never. And that's because we decided that we're going to show the world our talent and yeah. how good we are. Same thing should start applying to different aspects. For example, the arts, specifically creatives, artists, painters, sculptors. Um, and I think the world is slowly, we were seeing that last year, hmm. pre-COVID. Yeah. We, we saw the rise of, of the black artist globally, yeah. right? Um, I just hope that it continues. Um, because that's what we need. Yeah, I, we've had a bunch of talks recently about, you know, with other artists and everything about kind of like what, like what's next? Like what's the next step? We've, we've protested, we've, we've been out in force, we've really expressed ourselves, we've demanded change, we've actually forced change in a lot of situations. And it's like, okay, now what's the, like the next wave? Like what's the next concerted wave to make sure that this is like a permanent lasting thing? And, you know, me and Doris, we talked, we've talked a bunch. And, I, and me personally, I think, especially when it comes to like art and stuff, it's kind of changing the narrative, like having control of the narrative. And like what, what you do is like, and what Doris has done recently with his own exhibition called Black Lives Matter, which is also live online. It's kind of changing the representation of like the black male or the black female, and like having it in a more positive light and realistic light and not just as, you know, in victimhood or like, you know, always in like the worst kind of tragic, like documentation of some of the worst things that have happened, but instead of just actual real life, you know, representation of what it is it means to be black, basically. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and, it's, and, it's, it's missing. Sorry. No, no, keep going, keep going. No, no, I wasn't going to say anything. Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, like, yeah, just um, just the naturalism, like, just what, you know, just, like, us having a conversation right now, you know, like, that type of thing isn't, it, it hasn't been normalized, you know, all the way just yet, you know? Yes. So it's like, yeah. Those are those are the types of like motivations for like you know the type of work you know and just I don't know it's I, you, like you said I just want you know artists hopefully to keep you know pushing because we all are I see so many different things happening um, you know there's like a lot of uh, like BSU like Black Student Union groups coming together um, doing panel discussions about what it's like to be black at those schools. So mm -hmm. like, they're like, you know, challenging the institutions and stuff. That's about, right. You know, our representation. So I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, things going in positivity in the future, pushed by a lot, a lot of artists, you know, creatives are. Yeah, you know, absolutely. So, you know, there, there was, um, you know, we, we were also talking about it here um, in Toronto about what diversity and inclusion and equity really looks like. Mm. Um, and galleries were called out, right? Not just art institutions, but galleries. So the top 16 galleries in Toronto were called out and, and you know, there was a guy that put together a spreadsheet of some data uh, of who they represent. So out of the top 16 galleries in Toronto, uh, they represent 465 artists. Mm. of that 465 artists only 10 of them are black mm. 10. 10 uh aboriginal um so native one and in canada native art is huge aboriginal art is huge indigenous art is a big thing one um out of uh and then it was like other people of color made up about 33 or something like that and then women made up about 144 but it's so you can clearly see it's a white male dominated industry now yeah. of course we know this is uh, for them for a lot of these galleries it's just a business right mm -hmm. but then we started breaking it down and was looking at so out of these th these 10 black artists that are represented um who exactly are they because they're not part of our crew <laughs> you know, right like yeah, know we, each other. where'd you so, find them at yeah <laughs> yeah who are these guys right and as, you know you get to find out they're not even canadians they're not canadian artists the international oh. artists or American artists that are represented in Toronto. And, you know, the, the gallery just listed it as, you know, the token black artists that they have. Right, now, 10 black artists that get shown pretty much in every, you know, yeah. exhibition. Well, Kehinde yeah. Wiley's probably <laughs> one of those 10. I guarantee you Kehinde's one of those 10. Like, <laughs> right? So it's, it's like, but what does that mean for the creative community of your city? Mm-hmm. You know what? People are going to school. People are in whether it's in, we have a school here, uh, OCAD. Uh, it's a it's an art school. We um, what the biggest in in the country. Um, or people are in university, you know, studying. And so these people are coming out, but you know, where are they? You know, there's no representation. Right. Where are they being showcased? Right. What does that mean for the um, for the ecosystem, our own ecosystem, where we, there's a lack of, of representation. So a bunch of all these guys, you know, they, they, some of them responded, some of them didn't respond. Um, and the thing about it was, uh, and, I, and I asked this question on Instagram a couple of days ago is, you know, everyone released an anti-black racism statement um, 
others put black squares. <laughs> you know, well, is it really, is it performative or is it, is it genuine, right? Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to get a temperature of what people feel. And, and you know, out of all the responses, it was like uh, 95% was like, yeah, it was all performative. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, because at the end of the day, it's a, it's a business for these people. They don't care. They like the status quo and they want to stick it the way it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, we're, you know, we're going to keep on rattling cages and shaking the cages and shaking, you know, shaking the ground because things, are, things have to change. Um, but what, I'm li- what I like is, is what we're seeing in the city here is a little bit different where um, the private sector is coming in to fund black uh, art communities and black art organizations because mm-hmm. they see the need for it. Uh, the city of Toronto just actually made a, a huge million dollar, a uh, couple of multi-million dollar investment into a black um, arts organization. So mm-hmm. the so these changes are for us. So what is what are important too, right? Where if these galleries are not going to budget, they want to stay where they are. Then how can we get money um, and um, funding from the private sector or from 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 the public sector, for example, the state or the province? And for states, for you guys, uh, and the city, into these projects that can help artists, show, black artists, showcase their work. Um, so me, I'm I'm very happy about seeing these changes happen because at the end of the day, it comes down to money. It's all about funding, right? And if you get some, you know, if that funding comes in, then these are these are good steps that we're seeing being made. But I, I wouldn't hold my breath for the galleries. I wouldn't. Do you think um, galleries are dying? Absolutely. That's why I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a dying, it's, it's a dying model. And they know it. Um, but, so they're still trying to hold on tight to it <laughs> because they know, it, they know it's dying. I'll, I'll, so let me give you a perfect example. Do you re- remember back in the early 2000s with, with Napster and the music industry? Oh, yeah. We're exactly there right now in the art industry. Cause they don't know what to do. It's like at that point, you know, all these major labels had no idea what they were going to do. They thought that the music business was dead. Yeah. They felt it was completely dead. The only person that saved them, and a lot of them would admit it, and people wouldn't really talk about this, is Steve Jobs. iTunes saved yeah. the music industry. Completely. Right? And then that changed the formula. And it, now they're making tons of money. Money mm-hmm. they can't even imagine they're making because of that, because of streaming now. But, you know, yeah. if not for iTunes, stream will never have happened. Right. Well, right. and what's crazy about that is the deals the labels made with, with iTunes that, that makes it so they can't compete. So iTunes can never be a label. That's right. Or they can pull all their, their contract licenses. Mm. That's right. So, so, like, iTunes and Spotify can never actually sign an artist. An artist, that's all right. All of their music will be pulled. Yeah. So, you know, so the same thing is happening right now in, in, from what I'm seeing in, in, the art, in the art space is the, the brick and mortar galleries are, are, are no longer working. It's a failing system, um, mm-hmm. but they're really trying to hold on to it. Um, and now it's going more towards because the galleries have being removed, you're looking at artists that are now basically cutting, basically that's the middleman. So they're cutting out the middleman and going directly to the source. They, they're going to art, the, these art fairs, they're directly building their own collector 
um, list and forging partnerships and relationships with you know better art dealers. Um, you know, that's people. You know, it's been said that you know you really only need you know one art critic, you know, two or three major art you know collectors, and you're good, mm -hmm. right? Um, because everyone knows that the system is slowly falling apart, yeah. and we're, that's what we're here to basically either create a whole new system or uh, be at the forefront of what that new, whatever, whatever the new system is going to be, be at the forefront mm. of it, mm. where everybody eats, right? Mm. And we're seeing that slowly because there's um, the Ghanaian artist, uh, Amar, Amar Cole, I can't remember his name. This is Amar Cole. Uh, anyway, he, he has two major art collectors. Mm -hmm. um, that really love his work, and he's signed to Miriam Ibrahim, uh, Marianne Ibrahim Gallery yeah, Marianne in Chicago. Ibrahim. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, they're big. So, they're um, they're growing fast. That gallery growing is very fast. Yeah, actually, that's one of um, I would say the the top because that's like a black art gallery, and that it's, is right. They're um at the the forefront you know yeah they're like one of the leaders in terms of just even the art industry but also like black art galleries so yeah so That's i mean so for ex if, you, if you ask me representation if i i would love to work with the, with, with with that gallery mm -hmm. right i would love to work with a black gallery that understands the message in my work um because if, if a gallery that is not fully behind you this makes no sense right if right. If, 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 it, if they can't you know do everything and you know basically ride or die that's that's what you're looking for you know in in a gallery is a ride or die partner mm. uh and if, if they're not if they're not that then you're really just wasting your time because you're always going to be on the back burner right, right? you're going to be that token black artist that is represented but you, they don't they don't do anything for you yeah once you just sweat for me like you know like, yeah, if, if exactly. i'm gonna break this down with you like you gotta work for it like exactly exactly so you know, uh, change is coming. You know, you can, we can see the tide. You know, the change, and we're seeing, you know, we're seeing things happen. Um, let's just see how those things play out. But at the same time, keep holding people accountable. And my thing is, is to be in positions of power where um, decisions that are being made, um, I'm at that table. So I, I sit on the board at Artscape, and as a board oh, yeah. member, it's it's very, it's an eye opening to see the decisions that are being made. And being able to be at that table to sit to make sure that everyone is seen, mm -hmm. right, and everyone is heard, and the decisions that you're making impact the community in a very positive way, mm -hmm. right? Um, we provide the, our, the the organization provides subsidized housing for artists across the city in Toronto. Uh, mm -hmm. They also provide venue spaces, and uh, we have a music incubator um, in partnership with. The weekend, um, mm -hmm. it's called House. Mm -hmm. um, there's also uh, a digital media lab that we just opened up a multi-million dollar project, which has a woodworking space, um, digital fabrication, digital media, um, and there's fashion. So it's a, it's a whole uh, a co-working space. It's it's an amazing project. So mm -hmm. and see, sitting on the board and seeing what has been you know what is happening behind the scenes on in the industry and, and decisions being made at the table. It's very important to be at that table to have your input mm -hmm. and call out things when you see them, things that 
happen, uh, ha happening and really have a say. It's important. And that's where you make the, the most change mm. is from these, tape, these, these boardrooms, right? Uh, when you're in these boardrooms, when you have a say, th that goes a long way. And when people notice, they know that they're, they're, they're represented in the board, where it's not just some person that has no idea what's going on and it's just a token black guy on the board. No. Um, and the board is, our board is very diverse. So that's a good thing. And we're looking to do that across the board. Nice. nice. Uh, so with this online exhibition, you know, COVID kind of changed how art is being shown and being displayed. Was this in response to, you know, what was going on in the world or was this something you had already had planned on doing? So I already uh, had plans for this. Um, very similar to what we did last year with the um, funding from the private sector. This uh, companies were interested in working with me this year based on the success of last year. So I got a couple of uh, two big sponsors on board. The moment I actually signed the agreement with the last sponsor, um, two days later, Canada went into lockdown. Mm. Um, and we have the biggest, we have a big, uh, Caribbean festival up here. I'm sure you've heard about it, Caribana mm -hmm. uh, in Toronto. Uh, so my show was supposed to be two weeks after Caribana. Uh, so mid-August, mid next month. But once Caribana was canceled, we realized that nothing's going to happen in the city in August. There's no way anything's going to be happening where we can have, you know, over 700 people come through a space. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we kind of just, you know, uh, canceled the plans. And I, I felt defeated by it. But at the same time, I you know, I, you know, we all realized the pandemic going on. Everything shut down. Well, so I just kept... I think you guys realized it a little more than we do. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> uh, and um, so I, I decided, you know, my wife was telling me while I was creating, she's like, oh, you, know, you know, you just show this, showcase this work at some point, right? Just put it online put it out there, let the world know what you're working on while, you know, everything, we're in quarantine. So I came up with this idea of, oh, I'll, do an, I'll do a virtual exhibit. Um, but all the different things, the mistakes we made last year with the in-person exhibit, um, things like the availability of prints of the work, mm -hmm. um, being able to purchase those with ease and uh, the e-commerce aspect, all these different things, uh, reaching out to multiple news outlets so it's back before last year we did all of this with funding so there was there was those money that was already provided however now with covid you know i, I don't want to spend my personal bank when the world is on fire yeah. no <laughs> so so uh we have to be very um frugal with the way we we we, we, we did this um and everything was diy right my, my wife is very knowledgeable on a couple of um, media outlets out there that so we reached out sent up uh, press releases like the one that was sent to you guys. Um, oh. And then we did, I have a good um, mailing list. So reach out to the mailing list to let them know I'm going to be releasing the new collection I'm working on due to COVID uh, is all going to be a virtual exhibit. People were excited. People were waiting. So the moment we launched and we put it out there, my whole idea was to create a, a one seamless um, page where you can just view the whole thing without leaving. Hmm. Um, and being able to provide you with, you know, if you're interested in the print, these are available in print. So we made, you know, print, I think almost all the paintings, there's only one painting that there's no print available for. We made them all available in print uh, form. Um, so anybody that wanted to purchase, can purchase the original, you have the ability to purchase the print. I also decided to create smaller prints. 
um, at a hundred dollar price point because you know mm. you have to be sensitive to the economic structure right um this climate right now where people lost their jobs people are unemployed or whatever the case may be but they want to support however they don't want to and you know two hundred dollars for them might be a lot but mm. rather you know they can spend a hundred bucks so you know providing options and choices for people who want to collect and a lot of these collectors are young black collectors right they're they don't they don't come from rich families that have an understanding of art um but mm. they want to support and in any way, shape, or form. So being being able to put all these things together and then put it out there, um, I, I, I didn't have any expectations, zero. I was like, I'm just gonna put it out, whatever happens, happens. And it really took off on its own, organically. So I'm, I'm, I'm very happy. I feel blessed and privileged because I know what is happening across our industry right now. A lot of people are being hit bad yeah so to being able to have a, a, a you know a very successful virtual exhibit is something that um i'm i'm grateful for yeah that's pretty awesome i mean yes yeah, considering the times and then like being able to still you know make sales and and you know to make that shift and recognize that you know uh they're like less fortunate collectors that would still like to support and then you know having that availability um you know those are things that other artists should also consider you know they you know consider at certain aspects you know making options available available yeah you know um but uh there's like there were a bunch of questions i was trying to think of um something we hadn't really touched on yet. Um, but I think I had seen in a recent interview you did that you, you were spoke a little bit about how you deal with anxiety as an artist. And I think a lot of artists like have anxiety in some form or fashion and how they deal with that. And like, uh, is, it, is it more like the process of making or, you know, like, could you dive into that a little bit? Sure. Um, so um, I get, I've, this is prior to art. I've, I've, I've had anxiety on and off. I don't know what triggers it. Um, it's not really stress per se, um, for me specifically. Uh, sometimes it might be, but most times it's, it's not really stress. It happened when I'm actually less stressed out. And then what I started realizing was it was happening a lot when I was painting. And a lot had to do with whether or not I could accomplish um, what I had in mind. Um, uh, some of it felt as uh, uh, like overexcitement about the project I was about to work on. And that overexcitement actually turned to anxiety. And, you know, it, it became very bad. Um, so I started um, self-medicating um, with CBD. Um, and then I also used THC to uh, help with the anxiety. But CBD helped improve it. Um, and I still use it till today. Um, and it helps because, you know, um, anxiety is a, it's, it's, it's very crippling, um, and it can really set you back. And it happened a couple of times on, on paintings I was working on and I, I just couldn't perform. I just couldn't, I couldn't paint. I couldn't do anything. I just looked at the canvas. I was just looking at it. Um, and I was able, able to accomplish anything. I was able to paint. I was just done. 
Um, so it, it, it meant a lot finding a solution. Uh, and lucky for us in Canada, we kind of, you know, nationwide, weed is legal. Um, yeah. So that allowed the companies to also provide CBD um, on its own um, to use for uh, these type of uh, illnesses or uh, issues. So no, being able to, to use that has helped improve how I deal with it and uh, recover from it. Oh, that's awesome. I yeah. like that. That's like, cause that's sort of like a, a you know, just a testimony to just like, a, just a simple use, you know, almost like, like Tylenol, you know, it's like, that's it's right. Just, you know, it's something I need to get over this, this like headache or this ink, you know, this spell, you know, and I'll, I'll be focused and get what I need to do done. I'm working, you know, I'm like being a, you know, this isn't like a, a social, you know, thing. So it's like, yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah, but I but I don't create high. Right. I know I know people that do, and you know everyone has their own their own uh, formula or works for them. Unfortunately, I can't. So I I I don't create. Um, I I will smoke after, or on my off day. But while I'm actually painting, I have to be the most sober that I am. Mm -hmm. I mean. Eyes open, you know, <laughs> lots of coffee, but uh, yeah, no substances, no alcohol, none of that. And it had, I, I paint this collection, I was painting while listening to a lot of uh lectures. Um, hmm. uh, so one was from Yale, um, then the other one was actually not really a lecture, it was a talk that a talk from Harvard about um, the influence of slavery uh, on on this, the institutions. Mm -hmm. uh, and then a lot of the other podcasts I listened to uh, was motivational and inspirational Zen Buddhist um, mm -hmm. talks by Alan Watts. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you ever heard of Alan Watts. Alan Watts was a, a philosopher, a Zen, Zen Buddhist too. And he had you know, these recordings and they're all available on YouTube. And they're hours long, sometimes two, three hours long. So it's perfect. You just play it and you know, you're listening while you're painting. And it just, it always put me into flow. My, my, my main goal is always to, to get into flow. Um, uh, so flow is that state uh, when everything, time, time really, you don't, you don't really feel time, stand still, you're extremely focused on a specific task. And mm -hmm. uh, you're pretty much 100% pr productive. Um, and as artists, I'm sure, uh, Doris, you, you know this, you, you, that feeling of being in flow. A mm. lot of artists get it, you know, musicians get it, uh, athletes get it. Uh, so my main goal is you can't get into flow if you're intoxicated, whether you're drinking or if you're high. So it's important to clear your mind and free the mind and let you know, your mind itself do its thing. Um, and I love flow. I've been researching flow for the past four or five years now. And, you know, you, we learn things every single day. We found out the chemicals now that are all in the brain at the same time when you're in flow. Mm. And all those chemicals, uh, I think I, I can only name like three. The more stuff I've gotten, like serotonin. No. Uh, yeah, serotonin, dopamine, androgenine, and endorphins. And there's one more, but they're all in your brain at the same time. This is all these chemicals are all at the same time. Mm -hmm. And, and if you want to 
duplicate that in a pill form, a, a pharmaceutical form, you have to take some serious drugs, cocaine, weed, ecstasy, uh, MDMA, all at the same time, which of course you can die. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you know, the concept of what happens in your brain while you're in flow is very interesting. And, and there's, a, there's a lot of research that's happening right now in that space. Um, this is something you, you would love to, to look into and research, but yeah. flow is key. For me, flow is key. Once I get into flow, um, the things that I do, it's, it's quite amazing. I'm completely 100% focused. Mm. I mean, that's what I'm trying to, you know, that's what you always strive for. Every time I sit down in front of something, it's like you, you just hope it happens in a few minutes instead of like in like a 30 minutes or an hour sometimes. That's right. <laughs> that's right. It takes, yeah, yeah, it takes about 20, 30 minutes of you doing the same thing, focused for it to mm-hmm. actually kick in. Yeah. Yeah. And this is all natural. This is completely your, your own body, your own build, no, your own system that is, you know, placing you in that space to be the most productive that you are. And now what is, what is, what they're seeing from these studies is that after you come out from flow, there, I think uh, within the, the first two, three hours, your brain is um, more eager to learn new things and starts to learn new patterns which is why a lot of people that go into flow, they, they improve their, their, their discipline or their craft faster over time. Mm-hmm. So, cause that was something that I, I was kind of you know, interested in. Like what exactly, apart from the focus, the hundred percent focus and, and uh, of flow, what else happens? And was it, we learn better, we learn faster when we actually come out from flow. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things about the brain that we don't know about, mm-hmm. um, we're learning you know, uh, as, a, as a society every single day, uh, you know, and this is one of them and this affects us as creatives. So it's very interesting to, uh, to find that out. Yeah, no, definitely. That's pretty awesome. I'm definitely gonna look more into flow because uh, those concepts are really intriguing. Um, yeah. Before we like wrap up uh, anything, I wanted to ask you like, what are your goals after quarantine? Like, do you have any plans after this uh, exhibition, you know, where you got your new uh, series started, you know, what, what types of things are in the future for Benny Bing? So I'm gonna, um, I'm, I'm gonna continue working on the Blooms series, mm-hmm. but not really, the Blooms series is, is what it is, but uh, continuing that's, that same style. Okay. Uh, and same narrative. Um, uh, moving forward, I'm going to just see where it takes me and just create. Um, I also next year I'm probably going to be, I'm definitely going to be doing a show in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still ironing everything out right now. This year in November there is a uh, art fair, one of the biggest art fairs in in West Africa is Art X Lagos, which I've been trying to participate and really go back home and show my work at home mm-hmm. because I I haven't done that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, my work sells in Nigeria and through some galleries and some partnerships I have, but my, I've never done an event there. So I wanted to do that this year. However, looking at COVID, that's not going to happen. So we're going to plan something for, for 2021 November um, to, to be part of that. Um, and I'm right now working with um, Daniels, the, the, corp, uh, the, the builder I, I talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. in Regent Park. We're working on a couple of uh, projects together. 
So there's a, there's a lot of things in the works right now, but we're just going to see how things go. Um, and then once the city is able, because we're now moving into the you know, different stages of reopening. So right now nice. we're in stage three. So, uh, you know, that there will be the ability for galleries to open up uh, with X amount of people in the spaces. Yeah. Uh, um, and so some galleries are trying to work out how that would work. Uh, so there's galleries right now that are waiting for it to open up to work, yeah. have work showcased. So um, once that opens, um, we're going back, you know, we're hitting the road running, right? Yeah, man. I actually, a friend of mine, at an opening um, a couple of days ago, like an in-person. Nice. Yeah, here in New York, we're in phase three. So like there was a social distance, like RSVP for a time slot type. Mm -hmm. That's right. Um, but it was really interesting. It was cool. It was actually nice because it wasn't crowded. <laughs> that, that's right. It wasn't crowded. I was like, oh, all right. I kind of like that. We should just keep it like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But. Yeah. So, so that that's pretty much it. Right now, I'm just um, keeping those things. I don't want to um, load myself with too much. I also want to take some time to just be free and just relax. Because I, for the for the first uh, five months of the year, I was consumed with, with 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 bloom. I was in my own bubble. I really didn't leave the house. I really didn't speak to people. I was really in, cre in creation mode. So now it's kind of like, you know, little vacation, you know. Just to enjoy it, man. To, you, you know, it's out there. You know, it's, recoup, you know, know. recap and, uh, you know, and get back and start doing things. But uh, a couple, couple of those events, definitely, probably in September, October, I know that galleries will start opening up in Toronto. I want to do an in-person uh, showing of what pieces are left from Bloom or even prints, uh, people will love to come out and see that. So that will be that I would say is the next thing I'm, I'm, re, I'm working towards right now. Mm. Apart from cool. the side projects, we're doing a couple of murals here and there and inside in, in, in buildings, um, a couple of partnerships with brands um, that will be coming out in the future. We'll see how those ones work out. So there, there are a couple of things in, in the works. We're just taking this step by step, day by day. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to see what you develop, you know, those brand partnerships, everything, you know, it sounds like a bright future and, uh, you know, all the collaborations I'm really looking forward to. Uh, is there, do you got any more questions that you have, Dario? Or? Uh, no, I think we, we had, we had a lot. Um, yeah, we talked about a lot of things, you know? Yeah. Oh, wow. Time flies, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't want you to have to do the whole two hours, you know? <laughs> oh, no, totally, totally fine. Totally fine. Um, I, and th th there's been so much going on on my end here with, you know, friends. We, you know, we lost some people, uh, unfortunately. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I just couldn't write things out. Um, right now, I'd rather talk than write. So, yeah. this, is, this really means a lot and um, because sometimes when you write to, you might not be able to really convey everything you're trying to say. Yeah. Um, it comes up differently because it's written, right? So, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. No. yeah. Well, my condolences and, you For know. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. That's, um, yeah, no, this is better than the text. You know, I think um, 
getting your personality to come through is hard on a piece of paper or the screen, you know. That is correct. So um, it's been really good just to see you, meet you. um, Likewise. You know, see your work. And um, hopefully we can, you know, do something similar like this or collaborate again in the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I I have family in New York. So, you know, whenever I'm down up there, once this whole thing has, you know, died down. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we can we can connect in person and uh, and chat more. Yeah, definitely, sure. definitely. Yeah. And uh, for everybody who's listening, you should definitely go to binnybing.com. Here is like Bloom is live right now. How long will it be? You know, going for? Do you know? Uh, August eleventh. So we right is this running for two months? Yeah. So August eleventh is the 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 end of the virtual exhibit. Okay, so about two and a half weeks. You guys still have time to go to BennyBing.com, check it out, uh, check out his socials. We will have all that in the description of where this goes up. Mm-hmm. Um, man, thanks for joining us. It was really, really great connecting, kind of talk to the, the man behind the canvas and, you know, kind of get a good feel for everything you're doing. And we really like what we see and and just excited to see what else you have in the future. Uh, we'll definitely always be around to help you out in any way we can. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. It was really fun talking with you guys. And like I said, you know, we've talked about so many things that we can keep on talking for hours. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. This is really nice. I really appreciate it. This means a lot. Um, showcase, you guys showcasing, you know, people like myself, um, Black creatives is very important um, that we stick together as a Black creative community. Um, and we, we, we celebrate each other. I think that that's the key thing. Yeah. Um, because we're stronger as a community than, you know, trying to do these things on our own. Got it out. No, no. Yeah, that's a fact. That's a fact. So, you know, um, I hope you stay safe, you know. You too. Definitely. You know, we'll talk again, you know, soon. But until then, good luck with everything. And, um, you know, this has been another episode of The Fearless Show. We've had an amazing guest, uh, Benny Bing. Thank you once again. And uh, to everyone else out there, you got to keep living life fearless. Yes, sir. Nice. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Peace.